In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And after his baptism, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Each first Sunday in Lent, we visit with Jesus in the wilderness, with the devil, with temptations. Each of the writers brings something specific to their telling of this story. Well, except for John. John does it importantly by not having a temptation story. What would be the purpose for John? Jesus is the word of God. There's no reason. Of course he will withstand any temptation. Matthew has Jesus being led up into the wilderness by the Spirit. I love how Mark has it. There's such immediacy, such power. The Spirit drives him out into the wilderness. And Luke, in his own way of telling this story, says that he was led by the Spirit while in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. For Luke, Luke understands something important in his telling of this story. Instead of it focusing upon the temptations, it focuses on the role of wilderness. For Luke, he is not, Jesus is not driven immediately, dripping wet out of the waters of the Jordan. Instead, Luke is going to insert a genealogy. We all love reading genealogies, don't we? But it fits into the story because it's exactly what happens in the telling of the story of Moses and the children of Israel before they go into the wilderness. Jesus, just like the children of Israel are going to be led into their wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and by the Spirit's fire at night. For Luke, it's not so much a story of temptation. It is a story of wilderness experience. I think as I have matured, I have had different thoughts about this passage. When younger, all I could see was temptation. Because I think that's the nature of maturity. As we are young, we are told there's things you just can't do. And so it becomes very enticing. I have to try it. Why don't they want me to do this? It seems like they're keeping good stuff away from us. And so we're tempted to do what we think is outside of the boundary. It's what the story in Genesis is all about. About Adam and Eve. Of a fruit on a tree 
It's a temptation in some way. Something that is not allowed for us, we want to reach out and grasp it and try it ourselves. It is a temptation. And so we pluck the fruit. It's a true part of what we must experience as we live, as we mature, to understand that those things that we are directed away from are for our best. Our bodies can't handle some of the things until it's older. The experiences aren't able to be processed until we are older. And so boundaries are put around those things. But the temptation is always to pluck, to taste, to see for ourselves. And so often, when we fall into temptation, after we have plucked and tasted, we say, I realize why I shouldn't have done that. But that's not really the emphasis for Luke. We see the emphasis of the Spirit being with Jesus, leading and in the wilderness with Jesus. Just like that cloud in the day and the fire pillar at night, the children of Israel always have the presence of God with them, leading them in the midst of a wilderness. For Jesus, he too is being led by the Spirit in the wilderness. We'll see the fullness of that in the book of Acts when the Spirit comes to the church like a pillar of smoke and a sound and fire. It leads the church then into the world giving the good news of God. For Jesus, the Spirit is the presence of God with him as he is being led in the time of wilderness for 40 days. Just as the children of Israel were led for 40 years, so Jesus in his time period of 40 days, just like Moses up on the mountain, led or spent time there for 40 days, is in the presence of God in the midst of, uh, in the midst of wilderness. I think we who are more mature have had a little more life's experience under our belt who we understand that all those temptations, all of that low-hanging fruit is not always what it appears to be. We might understand Luke's story a little more for us. The wilderness is the experience that we go through that seems so fearful so isolating, so dangerous, so frightening, and yet God is with us. I believe that's what Luke is trying to tell the church, that in the wilderness of life, God was with the children of Israel. God was with Jesus, and likewise God is with those who follow the way of Christ. The Spirit is with Jesus, and the Spirit is with us. I love the imagery that Luke uses. It plays off of what is found in Mark as well as Matthew, or excuse me, in Matthew. Jesus is famished after not having eaten for 40 days. 
The image is about finding self-satisfying food, looking out for himself. That is in the wilderness of life. In the isolation, we begin thinking about ourselves, and we forget about the world around us. Jesus instead steps back through the help of Scripture, to understand that self-satisfaction, even in the most difficult times of life, is about the priority of understanding that God is the source of all. I think we sometimes try to control things, to manipulate things, to make sure things work out the way we need them to. A sort of self-satisfying of the events of life. We work and we manipulate and yet Jesus says, to be able to keep God's priority in the times of need, of isolation, and even of times where we are deprived of what we need, we can still rely on God for the abundance that's needed, even when the scarcity of wilderness is frightening us. God is gracious. God will satisfy the needs that we need. The one who is tempting Jesus then takes him to that highest point, lets him see everything in an instant. It's interesting the way Luke writes his story. He shows him all of the glory and the authority around him and says, I own this and I can give it to you. The kingdoms of the world belong to the world. They follow their whims. They follow their values. Luke, as he writes this and has those words come out of the devil's mouth, they are words, if read in the original Greek, authority and glory are words that are tied to the Roman Empire. The world seems to have so much to offer so much power, so much prestige, but they're temporary. And they are so thin. They are not God's loving grace and presence. Jesus looks at those things and sees them for what they are. They're the values of this world, the possessions of this world, they are the things that the world lives for. And Jesus says, no. I will live faithfully within the parameters of the faith. I will live for the eternal rather than the temporal. And finally, taken up to the highest point in the temple, jump off and the angels will catch you. We even read that as our psalm today. And sure enough, they will gather you up. You won't even bump your big toe. God's going to take care of you. But to live as if there are no consequences for action is often a temptation that we're called to. In the midst of the wilderness of life, we sometimes forget that there are things and consequences for the decisions that we make. We are called to live faithfully 
Because those are the things that will last. Those are the things that will uphold us. Those are the things that will bring us to the promised land. We will see that the early church, led by the Spirit, will hold faithfully to what Jesus says to the powers of the world. He says no. He's crucified. But God has the last word in the resurrection. The followers, too, when faced with choice, will choose to follow that difficult path of Jesus himself, and they will be raised as well. I think through our years, we understand that the journey of life is often a wilderness. It's often a frightening place, a place of loneliness, a place of fear. Jesus shows us that God is with us in those times. That as we hold true to the things that pull us away from that truth, we find the depth of God alive in our situation. The angels will minister to Jesus. They will bring him what he needs and will support him through the difficult time. We are called as the people of God, as the church of God, even in the midst of wilderness, to trust God's presence and life with us. That God will bring us through and lead us to that place of promise, that holy land. We journey now in our 40 days of Lent, trusting that God will lead us through the wildernesses of our life to where we need to be. Amen.